About three years ago, that song was led at one of our assemblies here, and when me and Evan got home, she got the idea in her head, you know, I'd like you to preach on that kind of idea one day. And I've been putting her off for about three years on the idea conveyed in that song of how can I keep from singing. And I was putting together the lesson, and I was getting through it, and I was building the points, trying to make it as best as I possibly could to get the idea across that I was going for that she had shared with me. And I got all the way through to the end and just wasn't happy with the product and decided not to, not to do that. So that's not the lesson that you're getting tonight. And I, uh, Jason comes up to me before we even start and says, what song would you like to be led to lead into your, to your lesson? And that was just perfect how that turned out because I decided not to do the song or the lesson that dealt with that song. And Evan looks over at me and says, you could just wing it, you know. I'm not going to be doing that. I'd like to talk to you this evening about the subject of besetting sins and the sin that does so easily beset us. If you would, turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. As John Mark is growing up, I notice how busy he gets with certain things. He'll get a certain toy or a certain object that he wants to play with, and he, he gets very entangled in that particular thing. And I've always wondered, you know, what it would be like to give him a piece of double-sided tape and to see him get it stuck to one finger and then over to the other. And then I think, well, he'd probably just try to eat it, so that's probably not the best idea. But you think about that image of a child playing with double-sided tape, how it gets stuck to one finger, and they may try to take it off and think that they've got it away from them, but it's stuck to the other finger. And that's sort of the idea that the writer of Hebrews gives us when it comes to the sin that does so easily beset us. Hebrews 12, beginning in verse 1, says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The truth is, is that in your life, you are going to have certain sins that you battle that are going to beset you. We don't use that word beset often or, or at all, but you might imagine the, that scene that's called to your mind of the child playing with the double-sided tape. It's that sin that ensnares us, kind of like the raccoon that's caught in the trap. It, it ensnares us. It, it, keeps us. it keeps us under bondage at, at times because maybe we let it or maybe it's just a sin that appeals to a certain nature that we have and a certain desire that we have. There are certain sins that you struggle with that beset you that may not beset me. So we all have a particular sin that we may struggle with that produces this kind of an image in our mind of the sin that we just cannot seem to get rid of, that it so easily besets us and we're just not strong enough to tackle it on our own. Some of the results of that struggle, I think, number one, is guilt. You may struggle with that particular sin that besets you, and, and you may keep going back to it again and again and again and develop an attitude of guilt of, well, how can God forgive me now? How can I be forgiven? How can I ever be the person that I used to be? How can I be pure? Because I keep going back to that same sin again and again and again, and I keep trying to battle it and to, to get past it, but it continues to ensnare me. We find ourselves in that cycle a hundred times. Another thing I think about that it produces is shame. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but with the particular sins that I struggle with, when I fall into them again and again, it produces a mindset of shame in my mind of, how can I pray to God? 
I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but if you've ever fallen into a particular sin, maybe right after you, you probably said, I, I think I need to pray to God. And maybe in that moment when you were praying, you, you just wondered, you know, is it even worth it? It's, it's the thousandth time that I've done this, and maybe you're, you're just beset by that attitude of shame because of that sin that so easily besets you. It's kind of like going to the person that you confide in with a particular problem. You may be wondering, and you may be second-guessing yourself, thinking, do they even think that I'm serious about taking care of this problem because this is the X number of time that I've been to them about this particular problem? So that's the type of thing that a besetting sin might produce in your life with your mindset, produce a great uh, deal of guilt and a great deal of shame. But when you and I first obeyed the gospel and we decided to turn from sin and walk in the steps of Jesus, I believe that in that moment, just as I believe for you, as I believe for me, that in that moment my resolve was real. I didn't want sin to beset me anymore. I understood, well at least I thought in, in fullness, but in part, I understood what it meant to leave sin behind. And we all grow a little bit more after that point, and we learn more and more about it, but generally we understand what it means to leave sin behind and walk in a new pathway of life. But we find ourselves later on falling into some of the same traps. And I might say to you, and you might say to me, well, just stop. Stop that particular sin. And your response to me and my response to you would be the same thing. I have a thousand times. It's happened again and again, I've stopped and I've fallen back into it. So uh, I've looked at a few things that have helped me with the sin that so easily besets me, and I hope that these things can help you too. We're just going to look at a few things today, and then the lesson will be yours. The first thing I think we need to consider with the sin that so easily besets us is we don't need to become comfortable with sin as a whole. There may be a particular sin that besets you very easily, but sin as a whole, we don't need to take the attitude that we're going to become comfortable with sin, you know, across the board. And in the world that we live in today, that's becoming more and more difficult. But we don't need to adopt the approach that says, oh, well, I guess I'll just never get rid of these particular sins in my life, or I'll never get rid of these particular sins that I'm surrounded by. Because when we give in to sin, we know that we separate ourselves from God. Romans chapter 6, verse 14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but you're under grace. So there's a difference between struggling against sin and having sin to where it's dominating over us. He says, don't let sin have dominion over you. Don't let it dominate you. Don't let it um, rule in your heart as it says, or it doesn't say it in that verse, but in Psalms chapter 66, verse 18, the psalmist says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. You know, it was brought up to my mind or brought up to my attention at one point in time that our heart is like a throne room. And there is only one throne in our heart, and, and either Jesus is going to sit on it, or we are going to sit on it. And if we sit on it, most often, sin is going to enter. So if we regard iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not hear me, as the psalmist says. So God says he won't hear us when that becomes the state that we live in. When we become comfortable with sin, God is no longer comfortable with us, because he cannot fellowship with sin. He loves us even though we're sinners, but I think you'll see through the course of our study that God desires us to live a life where we are dedicated to fighting that sin. And a part of that fight is not becoming comfortable with sin in our life. One pathway that we can take towards not seeing sin in a comfortable way or becoming comfortable with sin is to learn to see sin the way that God does. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 says... Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. 
cleave to that which is good. The scriptures teach us to abhor that which is evil. But so often on my television, there are things that are displayed that you know, would be pure evil that you know, I, I wouldn't say that sitting there in my recliner as I'm watching it, that if you were to walk in the front door and see me, you wouldn't think, oh, Jackson abhors that. You know, I might be zoned out or I might not be paying attention, but maybe that's the problem. Maybe we're not paying attention like we should. But we need to have the mindset of God when it comes to sin. We need to abhor that which is evil. You know, I heard it once like this, that if you think about an obituary and you look at all the people that might have passed away yesterday, you may not know any of those people and it may not produce any tears. You may not get sad because you don't know any of those people. But if it was somebody that you knew, then you would be. And that's because it's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of who you know or the, or the people that you know that might have passed away. And that's the same way that it is with sin. If we have the correct perspective when it comes to sin, it's going to cause us to be grieved. And that's the perspective that God has when it comes to sin because, you see, it's the sin that we commit that put his son on the cross. It caused Jesus to have to die the greatest injustice that's ever been. And if we have that proper perspective on sin, maybe we'll become less comfortable with it. If we viewed sin in the light that the sin that I see on my television or the sin that I see committed on the street corner is the same sin, and let me back up, the same sin that I commit in my own life is the same sin that put the Son of God on the cross. We might have a better perspective that causes us to be less comfortable with sin. Something to think about when we're trying to gain that perspective is thinking about exactly what we just mentioned about the sin that put Christ on the cross. Um, I heard it said once that there is more evil in the least sin than in the greatest calamity that's ever happened. And I looked more into that, and, and what it basically means is that when we think about calamities that happen in life, you think about storms, you think about hurricanes, you think about any kind of natural disaster, uh, diseases that happen in life, losing a job, losing a loved one, we would consider those to be great calamities that we experience, and those are awful. And we might get up in arms about those things and be very hurt by those particular things or be very moved to help in those situations, which is good, but there's more evil contained in a single sin than in all the greatest calamities that happen in life because in that single sin it caused the greatest injustice to ever happen in this life putting the son of God the perfect son of God on the cross so if we learn to view sin in that light that it's so destructive that it caused the perfect son of God to have to go to the cross we would have a better perspective on it the second thing is to make no provision for sin this is probably the most effective thing that I've found is, is if you can stop the problem before it happens, then you've, you've essentially got it licked for the most part. It's not that you're never going to be tempted by it, but you're making great headway if you can make no provision for sin. The term provision means to make the conditions for the growth of that particular thing ideal. All the farmers here know exactly what that means when it comes to growing things, but when it comes to sin, so often in, in my own life and maybe in yours, maybe we've been guilty of making provision for sin by making the growth of that sin in our life, making the condition for the growth of that sin in our life so ideal, by putting certain things in place that allow us to just sin at will. You know, if you struggle with something that might show up on a TV or might show up on a computer screen, maybe it's time to distance yourself from that. Maybe it's time to cut that out or to put it away from you. Depending on what particular sin you struggle with, 
Matthew chapter 5 and verse 29 talks about some drastic measures that needed to be taken to get sin out of our lives. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 29. It says, If thy right eye offendeth thee, pluck it, pluck it out, and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. So the idea there is that maybe it's time to take some drastic measures to get the sin out of our life. We don't need to be making provision for that sin in our life. Maybe we need to throw the computer out. Maybe we need to throw the TV out. Or maybe we need to throw something in our life out that is causing us to sin. And the hypocritical things, if you come to my house and you see the TVs and you see the particular portions of technology in my home that would need to be thrown away, it's a staggering thing. But I believe God expects us to make staggering changes in our lives so that we can get rid of that sin. You know, I put this particular lesson together, ironically, three years ago when the other one was given to me. But at that particular time, it was... It was a wonderful time called 2019 where we did not have a Brahms in Plainview and we did not have a Brahms in Lubbock and there wasn't a Brahms in every particular place that I would go to work. And the illustration that I gave at the time is that the particular vice that I struggled with was sweets. I say struggled like it's past tense, like I don't anymore, but that was a particular vice that I struggled with in a very physical sense. So the point was is that if I were to go to work in Amarillo, I would be right next to a particular Brahms that I could stop by. That, that illustration does not apply anymore because I turn around and there's a Brahms five blocks from where I live now. But the idea is that maybe there are certain things where we are in our life that we pass by that can cause us to sin. Maybe it's time to stop going that particular way. Romans chapter 13 verse 14 says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. You know, for these drastic measures to be taken, we have to change our behavior. We have to change the way that we do things in our everyday life. You know, the the very definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Uh, Two verses I'd like to hit really quick to demonstrate this. Uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, and then uh, Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7. So Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And then Proverbs 23 and 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. You know, it goes, it goes back to the mind of God. If we could just change the way that we think about things and the way that we perceive things, maybe we would sin less and maybe we would be um, encumbered by that sin so much less. You know, I think about making provision for sin. The very opposite is true we need to make provision for the Spirit. Maybe I need to spend more time with the brethren. Maybe I need to have the brethren in my home more often. Maybe I need to do those things which keep me from sinning more. And sometimes the answer to sinning less or being less ensnared by sin isn't always just to make less provision for sin. While that is a good thing to do, and that's definitely something we need to be thinking about, but it's making more provision for the Spirit. And it's making more provision for that particular thing to be in our life more so than the flesh. You know, A diet is an exercise in discipline. And when's the easiest time to start a diet? Right after Thanksgiving. 
right after December, right after Christmas, or whenever you have a big, a big meal or a big feast, that's because we have fulfilled every possible desire of our flesh to fill our stomach up with whatever food we want to have. And then afterwards, we feel that guilt, we feel that shame or, or whatever, and we think, man, I need to be on a diet. It's kind of the same way with sin. Right after we indulge in that particular sin, right after, that's when we want to change the most. But what if we could see it before we got into the sin? You know, when I was a kid, I don't know if you had these particular things, but we had this wax paper that we would put on top of a particular drawing, and the teacher would tell us to trace over that drawing so that we could draw whatever it was underneath it and get the grade in the art class or whatever. And it could be anything from a beautiful piece of scenery to an animal, a building, landscape, or whatever. But because we had that sheet of wax paper on top of the image that was underneath it, I was basically Picasso. I had, I had the best-looking piece of art just like everybody else in the class, everybody else who could draw and trace that line. And, and that's the idea. If we could just see the end result of that particular sin that we're about to be ensnared in, it wouldn't happen. And that comes from the perspective, or having the perspective of God on sin. The last thing I'd like to talk about that, it comes, or that helps us when it comes to battling the sin that so easily besets us is very simply to thank God for his love and forgiveness. Now, I know that might seem like a total uh, right turn off the road from the subject matter, but bear with me. The more we know about God and the more that we love him and the more that we understand his love for us, I truly believe the less that we're going to be ensnared in sin. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that we're going to have the problem licked. But if you have a relationship with somebody that you love and somebody that you care about and that relationship is deep, and you work at that relationship, you're going to want to make that person happy and you're going to want to do less and less to make that person upset or to hurt that person. It's like me and Evan, as we have grown closer over the years, I have learned certain things about her and, and as I learn those things, I do less to annoy her, hopefully, throughout, throughout those years. It's like that with us and God. The more time we spend in his word and the more time we spend knowing him, getting to know him, praying and communing with him, the more we're going to understand the love he has for us and the less we will fall into these besetting sins. I'd like for us to read Romans chapter 7, beginning in verse 14. This is a lengthy reading, so bear with me. I'm going to have just as much trouble as anybody else. But Romans chapter 7, beginning in verse 14, the Apostle Paul tries to make a point here, or makes a point here that drives exactly at what we're talking about when it comes to the sin that so easily besets us and the problems that we fall into with that sin. Romans chapter 7, beginning in verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present within me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind, bringing into captivity the law of sin, 
which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Christ Jesus our Lord, so that, when, so that with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Now, there's a lot said there, and there's a lot going on there, but basically what Paul is saying is this, I want to do right, and I find that I don't do right. There are things that I don't want to do, and I find myself doing those very things. That goes back to what we talked about at the very beginning. That's the sin that so easily besets us. We are doing those things that we don't want to do. We pray for forgiveness, and we fall into that cycle again and again, and it's that battle that we fight. And there's a war waging inside each of us between the spirit and the flesh, and he sums it up when he says all that he can say is, O wretched man that I am. But he gives the answer to the problem at the very end where he says that Jesus is the answer. I thank God through Christ Jesus our Lord so that with the mind I myself serve the law of God but with the flesh serve the law of sin. So the day that we stop struggling is the day that we separate ourselves from God but if we fight until the day that we die never content with it, never comfortable with it, always finding ourselves in the battle against it, we're doing what needs to be done to battle against sin. You know, it's, it's a bad place to be. It's, it's a tumultuous place to be, battling against sin in that way, when you're wanting to do right, but you don't. But fortunately, we have the answer to the problem. We have a great and comforting answer, I believe. Um, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. It says, But if we walk in the light as he, in the, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Walking in the light is not the point of perfection that you know, I once used to think that it, that it was. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. It isn't that we can say that we no longer have temptation from sin, that we no longer are tempted by our old sins. Because notice where he says that he is walking in the light, but the blood cleanses him from all sin, or but the blood cleanses us from all sin. That suggests that sin is still occurring. It does not mean, you know, don't get me wrong, it does not mean that sin is reigning over us. It goes back to what we talked about, let not sin reign in your mortal bodies, let it not have dominion over you. But we are walking in the light, so the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. It's that we're making that constant effort to try and walk in the light. And that goes back to our attitude towards sin. Last verse, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. It says, My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. The thing we always need to remember is that even if we are beset by that sin, even if we can't get rid of that thing that so easily sticks to us and ensnares us, we need to remember that there is always an advocate in the Father, and that is through Jesus and if you've never had that advocate, if you don't have the blood of that advocate today, you are just as ensnared as you ever will be. If you haven't ever made the decision to become a child of God, to be baptized in the blood of Christ, and to be able to walk in newness of life, you have that opportunity today to do that. And I hope that you would make that decision. If you're here today and you're still being ensnared by the certain sin that has beset you all your life, and you need help battling that sin, we all have that very same struggle, and we would all be more than willing to pray with you and pray for you and help you in that struggle. If it was one of either class, we'd ask that you'd come and have a seat on the front pew while we stand and sing. <laughs>